So I shared in a previous post, a recent video, that dieting is not the answer, in my opinion. That nutrition is supposed to be ambiguous. That each of us is really a unique snowflake with our own needs, not only uh, relative to another person, but even relative to ourselves over time you know, from this week to next week and so on. So how on earth do we navigate this terrain which in which we can't really generalize principles? I mean, that's exactly what a diet is. It's trying to take an eating plan, or at least diets in the, in the common uh, popular understanding is to take a certain way of eating, an eating plan, and generalize it to a large group of people. And this is in direct conflict with the fact that each of us is unique, as unique on the inside as we are on the outside. So how do we navigate this? Well, I can sh I'm going to share with you how I navigate this. At least um, it's an evolving process, but I've... I've gained a lot from it so far and uh, find it really useful. I'm sure it will evolve further. As I was brainstorming my thoughts for this video, I noticed something interesting. In the schools of psychology and philosophy that I follow, they say true ethics, when you apply true ethics to human behavior, let's say most of our ethics is based on the fundamental principle of doing no harm. And most of us understand that um, in a general sense that we don't want to do harm to another being. But Gnostic philosophy teaches that in order to cause suffering or harm to another being, we've actually already caused harm to ourselves. That in order to even be anger, anger is a form of suffering. Compared to our natural state of serenity. And so, do no harm, before I go on a tangent, actually at its root starts with do no harm to self first. And that's quite interesting because this is the approach that I'm going to describe that I use, that I've learned from uh, the people, my teachers, that I use for my nutrition. And it's generally trying to understand how to do less harm over time and how to do more healing, how to support greater recovery and to avoid accelerated deterioration. And when this is different for each of us at different times, the only way I've known how to navigate this or that I've come across is to use the information that our body provides for us continuously. And I mean, this makes the most sense because I'm trying to think Gary Torbs in his book, Good Calories, Bad Calories, or... The Diet Delusion, I think, was the title I had. And he describes, like, you know, we feel, like, if we look at nature and we think of a leopard, 
It's not following some cognitive process that guides him to or she to eat the right amount of calories per day and uh, keep their body fat or body composition within a certain range over time, um, etc. It's just there's natural impulses inside of um, them guiding them what to eat and what not to eat, when to eat, how much to eat. Um, that's just, it's a natural, natural governing process, plus one or two factors that I'll share now. And we're actually constantly experiencing a flood of information that we can use to understand whether what we're eating, how we're eating, when we're eating, when we're not eating, that we can use to guide us to make better choices. So generally, we can, if we pay attention to our moods, to um, our energy levels, our levels of inspiration, those are the first places I think that we can notice whether there's been a dip and there's something is heavy, dense, maybe pro-inflammatory, um, introducing some level of toxicity or disrupting our blood sugar or, yeah, you know, the common brain fog that we, we've learned about from high carbohydrate diets, etc. So there's constantly our level of mental cognitive clarity is being influenced by what we eat and we'll see a shift there. So self-awareness, using self-awareness continuously to understand the impact that our food is having on us. This is the primary, primary tool. And I mean, some of the other symptoms we can use are like what our toilet visits are like, our stools. Um, what does our skin look like? The tone and the clarity. Do we have spots, acne, or etc. Because these are usually symptoms that our body's reacting to something. As normalized as they've become. And obviously the common one is our body composition, body fat composition. A lot of people use that to understand like, are they regulating their metabolism in an optimal way? So, I mean, where this gets confusing, especially with the cognitive benefits I was describing or the impacts, inspiration, energy, mood, some of these can only significantly show up, they sometimes will show up, a day later, maybe even two days later sometimes. So how do we connect? Well, that large serving of pasta that I had affected my mood the next day. That's quite difficult to connect the dots, especially if there's a lot of noise in our diet and we don't understand the effect that a lot of our foods are having on us and it's changing so frequently that um, we can't pinpoint where those signals are coming from. So that's where an elimination diet approach, which is a fundamental tool of functional medicine. And in fact, something I believe we all need to experiment with because of what I've said about our uniqueness and the fact that we're still learning so much about nutrition. It's very difficult and I wouldn't trust anyone who says with absolute certainty, this is what's going to be good for you and this is what's going to be bad for you because 
you're still unique and we're still learning lots about nutrition and you try anything new carefully and notice what you experience honestly and that's the only way you can actually know so in general i think a lot of people and i definitely avoid the a lot of people can benefit from avoiding these foods and i avoid these foods like the plague and that's uh, dairy refined sugar gluten caffeine alcohol processed foods of course and foods containing uh, unnatural additives those are generally a no-go for me. An extreme cheat scenario, if I have one of those. Those are not really ever an option, like I said, unless it's an extreme once or twice <laughs> in a year, maybe. Then, and that's how we're avoiding introducing harm, unnecessary harm. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we want to chase as much healing as possible. And this is nutrient-dense foods, natural foods, as close to their natural, unadulterated, unbastardized state as possible. So that's typically what organic is supposed to mean, less pesticides, herbicides, fertilizers, um, yeah, natural farming processes, etc. Then, I mean, that's, keep, that's making sure that it's free of toxins and pro-inflammatory substances. Of course, the way we cook, what kind of oils we use, those also have an impact. Do I, I do some research, find out what you're using. But then, of course, trying to make sure that we're getting lots of different kinds of nutrients, different colors of fruits and vegetables. Am I getting nuts and seeds as well? Different kinds of healthy oils and um, legumes, maybe one or two different kinds of grains, um, different seasonal fruits and veggies, hanging fruits above the ground, underground, and really trying to get a range of nutrients. I'm remembering a figure of like an average hunter-gatherer is expected to consume more than 100 different plant species in a week, whereas the average American Western diet is like, can be around five different kinds of plants in a week. So those are all strategies to get maximum nutrient density per calorie consumed as well as maximum nutrient variety. Then, so those are, where, those are the two primary strategies to minimize the harm and to maximize the healing. Then change. Like what, what is ubiquitous in nature? The only constant is change. And for most of our genetic evolution, our um, nutrition came directly from nature. And nature constantly changing, then our nutrition and diet as a central theme must have constantly changed. And we think of seasons, we think of day and night, we think of floods and droughts and animal migrations, our migrations etc. So how do we introduce change into our diet? Because I think that's another stumbling block. We find a diet that we think, we think works and then we apply it for such an extended period of time that then that consistency, that monotony starts to become the problem. And so whether you think you need to be vegan most of the time or carnivorous or vegetarian or paleo or pescatarian, fantastic. But I do believe we need to 
mix it up every now and then. And the way that I do that is, let's say, for example, I don't think we should be having any foods every every day of every week, of every month, of every year. And unfortunately for a lot of people, it's toxic foods that land up doing that. It's the breads, it's the pastas, it's the dairies, it's the caffeines, it's the sugars, it's the alcohols that we not only that are not only toxic com- relative to most other foods off the bat, but then we also land up having them every day. A completely unnatural behavior to consume any food or nutrient every day. So how do I introduce change? If I'm consuming meat, then I'll make sure that I go through periods of being vegan. If I am um, being vegan, if I feel the calling to have a piece of meat, I'll have a piece of meat. And obviously making sure it's well sourced. If I am, you know what... If I spend most of my time eating, then I know I need to spend a bit of time not eating, using intermittent fasting and prolonged fasting. If um, I like a magic bullet, I find is going on a liquid diet. And this is like hypoallergenic, so super, super nourishing foods that have very low chance of causing an inflammatory or allergic reaction, even on a sub-perceptual level. And this is in a diet, so organic Vegetable juices, blended soups, blended smoothies, no dairy, no gluten, no refined sugar, doing that for two, three days. And I find introducing that change into my diet uh, for three days once a month is a beautiful variation that supercharges my energy. So that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking we need to avoid as much harm as possible. We need to chase chase as much healing as possible. And we need to make sure that there is variation in the way that we nourish ourselves. I have a very mixed relationship with the concept of balance, which so many of us seem to be attached to. Balance when it comes to our diet. Because if the inputs determine our outputs then do my health-related behaviors, if I only engage with them in a balanced way, will I only get health in a balanced sense, i.e. would I also get a fair measure of disease? So, And I don't obviously want that. So I feel like this, this, I believe, needs to be taken seriously and wholeheartedly with very very few exceptions um, for proper vitality. But nothing tastes as good as health feels. The accumulative sense of vitality that comes from not breaking the, the, healthy, the healthy eating. So that's what I'm trying to move into more and more over time. Of course, it's difficult. Of course, eating is not just about knowing what's right for us. It's, we have a lot of addictions, cultural tendencies, habits. It's not easy, but I think I'm driven to relentlessly pursue more and more perfection in my eating because I really do believe that it's worth it. And nothing great in life actually has come from without sacrifice. And I believe, I truly believe that the sacrifice is only an illusion because the sensory stimulation of taste and of eating a meal is is only momentary. Whereas the pleasure of health is just so much deeper and continuous.
I hope that was helpful. These are some of the thoughts I'm having around this topic right now. Let me know what you think. Please do comment, subscribe, and um, you know, I look forward to the next one.